0: This is Construction Business Mastery Podcast, episode number 20. In the fast-paced, high-tech world of construction today, 80% of the New Start construction companies go broke or out of business within the first year. In five years, only 2% of the construction companies remain. Construction Business Mastery is dedicated to providing educational information and resources necessary for construction companies to succeed and prosper. Hello, this is Glenn Wilson, and I'll be your host for the 20th episode of the Construction Business Mastery podcast. Construction Business Mastery is dedicated to assisting independent and medium-sized contractors succeed and prosper in the construction industry. Wow, how time flies. I can't believe it's been almost a year since I've published the last podcast for Construction Business Mastery. But, as I had stated in the last podcast, it looked like the construction economy was picking up and we changed some of the basic direction that we were doing as a company and picked up about $10 million worth of work, which has kept me pretty preoccupied. But I have had a lot of requests from our listeners to go ahead and continue the podcasts, so now I'm going to make an effort to get back to it and be more regular about publishing these podcasts. I think the best thing to do is pick up right where we left off. So, in this episode, the feature segment is going to be dealing with the five elements that make up a successful construction company, and we're going to be dealing with the next one, which is human resources. In the legal segment, we're going to be looking at an interesting case involving warranties and how long they last and getting proper notification according to your contract documents in the safety segment we're going to be looking at several new regulations and a slew of rulemaking that the department of labor osha is putting out this year which will impact the construction industry In the recommendations and offers section, we're going to be talking about some results that we've seen on the Construction 101 assessment. And in my comments and musings, we're going to be looking at some very interesting changes that are going on in the construction industry today. I hope you enjoy this podcast. And now it's time for the feature segment of the Construction Business Mastery Podcast. Well, I think I really need to apologize for not putting out a podcast in almost a year. But as I mentioned in the previous section in the introduction, we had some major changes that we had to do ourselves in order to reevaluate our construction marketing and the direction that our construction company was going in. So we did that and actually changed our market directives completely and, as I said, picked up about $10 million worth of work, which has kept me pretty preoccupied. So without any further delay, let's get into the feature segment of the podcast. Looking back at construction spending, May, a year ago, the spending was at an annual rate of $874.9 billion. Looking at one year later, May 2014, the annual construction rate is $956.1 billion. That shows a pretty substantial increase in the last 12 months. Construction spending for the first five months of 2014 was $358.1 billion. And that's 8.2% above $331.1 billion for the same period in 2013. Private construction spending for the month of May was about 0.3% below what it was estimated to be at in the month of April. And residential construction was about 1.1% above what it was estimated to be in April, showing a modest increase in the private construction sector. Public construction in May was about 1% above the April estimate, and educational construction was 0.6% above the April estimate, while highway construction was 07 above the revised April estimates. Looking at the construction spending figures for the total last year, and what's gone on in the first five months of this year, show us that there has been some modest increase in the construction market throughout the United States. And it looks like the trend is in an upturn uh, for the foreseeable future. And that is what we have seen in our business as well. So I think that's pretty good news. And now we're going to get back to talking about the five basic core elements that make up a successful construction company. They are, in review, construction business management, human resources, image and marketing, estimating, and project management. In our last episode, we talked specifically about construction business management. Just to do a little review, the one main thing is to make sure that the construction business works for the owners, not the owners just working for the business. I think that's a really key point. Making sure that you have a good policies and procedures manual. Make sure that there is necessary asset protection for the owners. Making sure you have a sound accounting system. Making sure you have adequate insurance and a good banking relationship. There were a couple of things that I failed to mention in the last podcast that I think belong in the construction business management section, so I thought I would cover them here very quickly. The first is that we have to embrace the new technology of today. We are becoming a much more mobile society, and our businesses are becoming much more mobile. That means that we really have to be ahead of the curve on our computer skills and knowing computer technology, particularly things like iPads, uh, notebooks, uh, other things that help us work more effectively on the job site. The other thing is that we have to have a very good construction document control system, a system that tracks our contracts, purchase orders, change orders, Uh, requests for information, submittals, meeting minutes, daily reports, all of the things that are inherent in having a successful construction project. These are part of the management things that we have to embrace, and most of these now need to be in that technology sector. So just thought I'd bring that up and talk about those just a little bit. Now we're going to take a look at human resources. Our human resources, the people we have working within our organization, are probably the most valuable asset that we have. This is true for any business, but it is especially true for the construction business. We are only as good as the people that we have. Think about it. From the people we have answering the phone to the folks we have working on the job site. They are all a critical and integral part of our business. And, truthfully, no one is any more important than anyone else. It is all a part of one organization. Currently, we are in an economic situation where there is very high unemployment. And even with that, it is still extremely difficult to find and retain good people in our organizations. I think we are really in a new age of construction, particularly where our workforce is concerned. We have to be much more cognizant of what is motivating our people. What motivated people five or ten years ago is totally different than what is motivating them today. We are in a much more social environment, and that seems to be a lot more important to the people that are coming into the workforce today. While compensation in the form of salary, wages, and bonuses is still very important, we are seeing a much more important aspect of this new workforce evolving. They want to be a part of something and feel like they are contributing. They want more time off. They want more social time. And I think these things have to be taken into consideration as we move into this new age of construction. It is also important that we provide proper training for our workforce from the office to the field, making sure that our people are well trained at the work that we're asking them to do so that they can feel a part of the overall outcome of the business. In addition, we are finding it more difficult to find skilled tradespeople to work in the construction industry. It is imperative that before we undertake contracts to perform work that we have the necessary skilled tradespeople to be able to perform these contracts in a cost-effective, timely manner. We are finding that it is difficult to get some people off of the unemployment rolls to bring them back to work for the wages that are currently competitive in the marketplace today. This is really a sad state of affairs when people can make more money on unemployment than they can by going back to work. But that is the reality that we are facing today. The long and short of it is that it is becoming more difficult to find and retain good people in our organizations today. And we are going to have to look at better ways of accomplishing that. Our human resources are truly the lifeblood of our construction companies. now it's time for the legal segment of the Construction Business Mastery Podcast. This legal segment is taken from the Construction Claims Advisor with the express permission of WP Publishing. In this episode, we are going to be looking at what constitutes a substantial completion as it is required under AIA contract documents. The Oregon Supreme Court has ruled that without a certificate of substantial completion under the project's AIA contract documents, there was no written acceptance and a statutory claim limitation period did not start to run. A little bit of background on this particular case. VIP Motor Inn awarded a contract to TT&L Sheet Metal Incorporated to construct a new motel. The parties utilized standard contract forms published by the American Institutes of Architects. The work progressed to a point where VIP opened its doors for business on February 13, 1997. The project architect did not, however, issue a certificate of substantial completion as provided in the AIA contract documents, and the work continued on the parking lot and storm drainage system. Washington County issued a certificate of final occupancy on September 24, 1997. VIP sold the motel to PIH Beaverton LLC. The new owner discovered what it believed to be serious flaws in construction. The owner sued the contractor and many of its subcontractors. The suit was filed more than 10 years after the motel opened for business, but less than 10 years after the issuance of the Certificate of Final Occupancy. Oregon statutes require suits arising out of construction work to be filed within 10 years of written acceptance of the project as substantially complete for the use and occupancy. If there is no such written acceptance, the date of acceptance of the completed construction shall govern. The contractor argued the suit was barred by the 10-year statute because it was not filed within the 10 years of substantial completion. The owner responded that there was no certificate of substantial completion and the suit was filed within the 10 years of acceptance of the construction work. A trial court granted summary judgment in favor of the contractor, reasoning that the substantial completion occurred when the facility opened on February 13th. The September 24th certificate was a redundancy. The owner appealed. The matter went to the Supreme Court of Oregon. The Supreme Court of Oregon said the trial court failed to distinguish substantial completion from final completion and misunderstood the application of the statute. The statute contemplated two separate milestones, acceptance of the project as substantially complete for the use and occupancy and acceptance of the project as fully complete. The evidence indicated the work was substantially complete when the owner started housing guests, but there was no written acknowledgment of substantial completion as required by the statute. There was no certificate of substantial completion as called for under the AIA contract documents, and construction work continued until September the trial court erred in granting summary judgment in favor of the contract. The case was remanded for a determination of the date that triggered the running of the 10-year limitation period. Statues and contracts frequently use the term completion of the work without distinguishing substantial completion from final completion and without determining the terms. So we have to be careful how we enter into our contracts. And again, I think this is clearly an indication of my mantra, if it didn't happen in writing, it didn't happen. And now it's time for the safety segment of the Construction Business Mastery Podcast. As we mentioned in our previous podcast, we are changing the format of the safety section to become more educational and not just pointing out some of the real stupid things we've seen contractors do in committing OSHA violations that have resulted in some pretty stiff fines. In this podcast, we're going to take a look at a publication that we've just run across where OSHA has outlined a slew of rulemaking that would affect the U.S. construction industry. In this podcast, we're going to look at two of these rules and what the anticipated implementation of them will be. The first one we're going to look at is confined spaces in construction. In 1993, OSHA issued a rule to protect employees who enter confined spaces while engaged in general industry work. This standard has not been extended to cover employees entering confined spaces while engaged in construction work because of the unique characteristics of construction work sites. The Department of Labor, OSHA, stated, Pursuant to discussions with the United Steelworkers of America that led to a settlement agreement regarding the general industry standard, OSHA agreed... To issue a proposed rule to protect construction workers in confined spaces. Associated Builders and Contractors Incorporated, the ABC, and other construction groups then argued that the proposed rule would reduce workers' safety instead of improving it. ABC urged OSHA to incorporate existing standards instead of adopting new standards. The agenda reports that OSHA intends to issue a rule on this subject in August. The next rule will involve crystalline silica. The current permissible exposure limit, PEL, for construction is based on a particulate counting technology which OSHA ...considers obsolete. OSHA recommended 50 micrograms of silica per cubic meter of air exposure limits, respectively, for respiral crystalline silica. Both industry and worker groups have recognized that a comprehensive standard for crystalline silica is needed to provide for exposure monitoring, medical surveillance, and worker training. According to OSHA, however, the Construction Industry Safety Coalition believes that OSHA has not met its burden of demonstrating that the proposal is technologically and economically feasible. Until August 18th, OSHA is accepting comments on the matter from attendees of a hearing that the agency held last March. The Department of Labor did not specify a schedule for further activities. I found it interesting reviewing this complete report, which we will be covering in the next episodes of this podcast, the process in which the Department of Labor and OSHA go through in revising and implementing new rules and regulations for our construction industry. And I think it is imperative that we all keep an eye out on these because lack of knowledge of these changes in the law where OSHA is concerned uh, is no excuse and we will be fined and possibly put out of business for not complying with these regulations. And now it's time for the Construction Industry Recommendations and Offers segment of the Construction Business Mastery podcast. We have eliminated the traditional bonuses section here. However, I do think there are things that come up in the industry that will help our contractors become better at what they're doing. And we intend to showcase or highlight some of those things in this section. It's been almost five years ago since I started Construction Business Mastery and put out my first podcast. This was done in an effort to assist independent and medium-sized contractors succeed and prosper in the business. This is a difficult business. Since that time, I have put out a lot of content and a lot of information for my listeners to be able to consume and use. One of the best things that I produced was the Construction 101 assessment, and with that, once anyone takes the assessment, they can get a free consultation from the results of the assessment, whether you pass or fail. Over the past 12 months, about 100 contractors have taken the Construction 101 assessment, and over 85 percent did not pass. And out of that, Only two have called for a consultation. I guess I really find that very surprising. I um, don't understand that. If help's out there and help is available, why wouldn't you take advantage of it? So I think what I recommend is that if you haven't taken the assessment, that you take the assessment. And whether you pass or fail, take advantage of a free consultation to help you succeed and prosper in the construction business. I have a world of experience and uh, willing to help. That's why I started Construction Business Mastery in the beginning. It was in an effort to help contractors succeed. This is a tough business, and it's my passion to help and teach contractors what they need to be able to be successful. And I think now is the time to do that. So, again, I recommend that you take the Construction 101 Assessment. And no matter what the outcome is, that you get in touch with me. So I'll put that out there and leave it up to you to do what you need to do to succeed. And now it's time for my comments and musings about things that I have seen going on in the construction industry over the last months and share some of my insights that I hope you will find helpful and that will serve you in your construction business. As I mentioned earlier, in the feature segment, the construction economy is picking up in this country, but there are still areas that are lagging behind. And I think it's important that we be able to reevaluate our business plans and marketing to accommodate what's going on in the economy. And that's exactly what I had to do over the last 12 months. We had specialized in a particular industry that no longer was viable because of the soft economy. It was one that has not picked back up. So we refocused our energy towards a new marketplace. And that really was done by looking at where the money is. Follow the money. Right now, there are several arenas where money is very prevalent. One of them is in the government arena, where you can do government work, but not all contractors can get qualified to do that work. So sometimes you may need to find a company to hook up with to do that as a subcontractor or as a prime contractor under some government contracts. Most military bases throughout the country have jock contractors or contractors that work specifically for that base. And I suggest that you take a look at that as a possible marketplace. The other areas that are always flush with money, I hate to put it that way, but is in the energy industry. Gas and oil, auto industry, most of the utility companies All of these have money and have money to spend. So it is a marketplace worth looking into. In addition, I see a lot of strength in the residential market, not in new homes, but in the remodeling business. It appears that there is a good resurgence of homeowners looking to remodel or build additions onto their existing homes in order to increase size and comforts without having to make the expenditure of moving into a new, more costly home. So I think this is a good market for our New START independent contractors to take a look at. With all the new work that we have picked up as well, we are seeing still a shortage of subcontractors in the marketplace that can perform the work that we need to have performed. I think this is an excellent time for a new start construction company to begin. As I said in a previous podcast, you always want to start when the market is in the upturn position, not when it's at its crest and on its way down. I think in looking at the current economic situation, we may be moving into an area where we have some good market increases for the next couple of years. So, I think now, if you're thinking about jumping out on your own and getting started and making a construction company your lifetime business, then I think this is a great time to do so. And I suggest that you get all the help that you can in order to be able to make that a profitable and successful business. So, with that, I want to leave you with my closing thought, and that is, don't hope you will succeed plan for success.